The following is audio from The Refuge Church. Every sermon is an invitation to understand, obey, and enjoy God. More information about The Refuge Church is available at therefugechurch.us. In each one of us is a deep, inherent longing to be home. A place of peace and security. Home is the place we finally belong. The road back home is often long and dangerous. The people of God would sing these psalms of ascent as they traveled towards Jerusalem to worship God. We now learn these songs as we travel together towards New Jerusalem. We are still on our way. We are longing for a better country, a heavenly one. We believe that home is found only when we finally are with God. God has invited us to come, and these songs are for the journey. So what we're doing as we, we go through the Psalms of Ascent is we are learning songs for our journey. So the question for you today is, has your journey so far been what you expected it to be? I just want you to pause with that for a second. Whether that was thinking back to college, high school, two years ago, five years ago, when you made your five-year plan and now you're here, has the journey to this point been what you expected it to be? And I think, hands down, all of us would be like, I did not expect to be here doing this with everything that's gone on. Let me just tell you about this week. So... So this week, um, and I asked permission to tell this story because it's about Hannah, my girlfriend, and she's in Hawaii now, and so I texted her yesterday, and I was like, can I share these stories? Because this week was very unexpected for her. Uh, Tuesday night, we went to dinner, uh, and we went back to my house, and then she realized that she had locked her keys in the car. Okay, Not a, You don't expect that, and so she drove my truck back to her house, somebody gave me a ride into work the next day. You know, okay, you know, that, that was unexpected. Well, Thursday night we were going to go rock climbing. She was going to come pick me up, and then I got a call right when she was going to, well, supposed to pick me up, and she said, I cannot find my keys anywhere. And so, I, you know, I drove down, picked her up, and then we went rock climbing, and then... Friday morning, we go to the YMCA to work out, and we work out, I go in the locker room, I'm taking a shower in the locker room, and somebody comes in, they're like, is, is Daniel in here? <laughs> I was like, present! <laughs> and uh, he's like, your, your girlfriend, not her words, his words, your girlfriend's freaking out, she can't, can't find her keys anywhere. <laughs> Oh, man. That's just... <laughs> so I just took my time. That's just one week. <laughs> right? Think, think of, has, has your journey been the way you expected it to be? Not at all. Right? And when we, when we look back at just the way our, our life has happened... The way socks get lost and keys get lost and our heads get lost, 
right? We, we think, well, either there are leprechauns or we are just super clumsy people that don't always know what we're walking into, right? I, I would go with the second option. I really don't believe in leprechauns, so uh, just, <laughs> just to clarify theologically where I stand on leprechauns. <laughs> uh, but don't we feel helpless sometimes, right? The, the plans that you've made, you've double-checked your list, you've checked the weather report, everything, everything you've done right, and then something adverse or unexpected happens. And our journey just gets thrown off. We get thrown off, and we don't know what to do. And, and Psalm 123 is made for that. When we think of praying for traveling mercies, that is what Psalm 123 is. It's this prayer that God will be merciful as we know the place we've come from and the place we're going and we're in this place in between. And, and we beg that he'll be merciful along the way because we know that along the journey there's going to be a lot of unexpected things, a lot of things we don't plan for. No matter how much of a planner you are, there are, there are variables that you cannot expect and those happen in life. So let's read through one, uh, Psalm 123 and we'll just go through it. Um, really looking at this idea of mercy, both what mercy is, where it comes from, why we ask for it, and why we need it. Um, This is how it reads. I lift my eyes up to you, to you who sit enthroned in heaven. As the eyes of slaves look to the hand of their master, as the eye of a female slave look to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God, till he shows us his mercy. Have mercy on us, Lord, have mercy on us. For we have endured no end of contempt. We have endured no end of ridicule from the arrogant, of contempt from the proud. So as we go back, I just want to highlight this um, three times right in a row, going from the end of verse 2 to 3, right? So our eyes look to the Lord our God till he, has sh- till he shows us his mercy. Have mercy on us, Lord. Have mercy on us, for we have endured no end of contempt. This, is, this whole psalm is just centered around this mercy, this mercy that we need. So really quick, I just want to kind of, I want to focus in on mercy and, and what is it, um, where, where do we find it, um, how we ask for it, and then why we need it so bad. And um, I think mercy is, is a word that maybe we hear. Um, but even as I was digging into it, I thought, man, I really want to get what mercy is. Because I don't always understand. Even when I'm saying stuff, I don't always understand what I'm saying or what I, I want it to mean or what it actually means. And mercy is simply the way it's used here. In the New Testament, the words grace and mercy in the Greek mean, mean different things. Um, in, in the Old Testament, mercy and grace or graciousness is, is really interchangeable. And so some translation will even say, till he shows us his graciousness. Uh, be gracious on us, O God, and have grace on us. And so, so these words, these concepts are really interchangeable here in this psalm, at least. And all it means is to, to have someone show pity on us or show favor to us, have pity on us. And, uh, and, and the idea of being shown pity to is not a positive thing in our culture, right? To have someone show charity or pity to us is something that, that in, in a way we feel takes away our dignity instead of gives us dignity, right? Don't show me, don't show me pity. I don't need your pity. I don't need your charity. 
That is the way that we respond when someone sometimes is just being kind to us. And the re- reason we say that is because we have this feeling like we can do it ourselves. That we can figure out all the variables along the journey and we can do it without anyone's help. And yet the place of, of asking for mercy is a place of realizing I actually do need help. And that's a, that's a good thing. The word picture here for the word, word uh, mercy is someone bending down or stooping low to help someone in an inferior position, right? And again, I think that makes us, that, that's hard for us to hear, like, because we want to go, no, I'm okay. But I, I want you to think very, uh, the, the easiest way to think of this in our culture would be maybe driving I, all the time when I'm coming down Riddell and heading into Fred Meyer, there's some, um, some individuals there holding signs saying homeless need help. That, that ultimately is, is an ask for mercy. Mercy is not something you can uh, earn. It's not something you deserve. It is simply something that you can ask for knowing that it would take that person stopping or stooping down to help because you're in a place that, that you need that help. And so that's this, this cry for mercy. Mercy is a prayer for help. That's simply what it is. Mercy is a prayer for help. Help we don't deserve. Help that may not come. Mercy is not a guarantee when you ask for it. And I think that's one of the hard things. Even when we pray for mercy, we don't know how God will show up when we ask for it. But I will say seldomly, even when we don't use the word mercy, seldomly does a prayer leave our lips that is not mercy-filled, right? Not, not just an ask, because, God, I don't deserve this. Even when we say thanks or we're grateful, it's saying, I didn't deserve this, right? It's an acknowledgement of mercy. So, so everything we do in our relationship with God really involves his mercy, him stooping down, bending down to help us. We are people in need of mercy. So the second thing, where do we find mercy? We find it here. It says, I lift my eyes to you who sit enthroned in heaven. So mercy is coming from the throne of God. And it's, it's coming from this, this throne that, that in the scripture is talked about more as a throne of justice than a throne of mercy. And so here, mingled together is this this justice and mercy, and we know what we deserve, and so we ask for mercy. There's this really interesting story I was reading as I as I studied this idea of mercy, and um, it was it was back um, back in the early uh, 1900s. Um, there were names Julius and Ethel Rosenberg. If that means anything to you, that's it's probably because you know American history. Um, so they, uh, they uh, were prosecuted and then executed for, uh, for trading secrets to the Soviet Union. And, and at the end of their court proceedings, their lawyer says this, Your Honor, what the clients ask for is justice. And the judge said this, he says, What the court has given them is what they ask, justice. What they really want is mercy. But mercy is something that this court has no right to give. And that, that puts it in stark contrast, right? Because I think 
we who are so familiar with the mercy of God feel so entitled to his mercy. And so when we see justice, we're like, I'm nev- that's never going to happen to me. Right? Because we feel profoundly entitled, but we are not entitled to mercy. Justice is what we deserve. Mercy is what we ask for. Does that make sense? Justice is what we got coming to us. Mercy is when we say, I also know what I have done. Will you please, please be merciful to me? Because I, I don't deserve it. And as long, as long as we feel entitled to mercy, we will never either appreciate it or understand it. Now, now think of when we look to the throne of God. I want to read for you um, Moses when he, when he kind of sees God as God passes by and God declares himself to Moses. And this is what he says. And I, and I want you to see how he holds mercy and justice together. As God passes by Moses, this is Exodus 34. He says, uh, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious mercy is the same word there, gracious, merciful God, slow to anger and abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness and rebellion and sin. We're like, keep that period right there. Just stop. But this is how it goes on. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parent in the third and fourth generation. Right? He was like, can we just stick with with the maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness and rebellion and sin. We're like, yes, mercy. And yet when we look to the throne of God, when we look to his justice, he is a God who also executes justice. And that's where the fear of the Lord begins wisdom. The fear of the Lord, when it fills us, we actually know then how to ask for mercy because we're not feeling entitled to it. Well, God, of course you're going to love me. That's your job. That's, that isn't a posture of understanding mercy, right? But how often is that like, I'm going to screw up all day long. I don't care because God, God is in, I am entitled to the mercy of God, which you are not, and I am not. Because he is also a God who does not leave the guilty unpunished. And, and only when we, when we see the throne of God, see that the love and the mercy of God and the justice and wrath of God together, will we ever appreciate what it looks like to then ask for mercy? Because mercy isn't just given, we gotta, we got to ask for it. And that's, that's what we see here, as the eyes of the slave looks at the hand of their master. And this is, these are hard examples for us. Because we don't like seeing powerlessness. We don't like be, putting ourselves in the story in a place of powerlessness. But in this song, we are the slave who looks helplessly, will, will, will you give to me mercy? Will you, will you give me provision? And what I need is the journey is unexpected. So how we ask for mercy is this. We ask submissively, acknowledging who God is and, and his place. I think the, the most profound, most uh, vivid story of this in, in the Bible is this story that Jesus tells of a Pharisee and a tax collector who show up in the temple. And the Pharisee who would have grown up with these psalms and these stories and the Pharisee comes and he says, God, thank you that I'm not like that guy over there. I tithe, I go to church, I do all these things. God, thank you that I am 
entitled to your mercy because I do these things. And it says, then the tax collector says, he says, can't even raise his eyes to God. And he simply says, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus, Jesus, God is saying that he says, who went away justified? Who went away in the eyes of God sinless? Was the one who knew how to ask for mercy. Not the one who felt entitled to, but the one who knew how to ask. I can't even raise my eyes because I know you're holy. I know you're just. And so I'm confessing my sin to you knowing that you already know it. So I'm just going to let you know. I'm just going to get off my chest. I'm going to tell you about it. Like, God, you know me. And so I'm going to pray to you. Will you have mercy on me, a sinner? And this is this plea he gives. And what we see here is... It's a prayer that the church, one of the longest known prayers of the church, known as the uh, Kyria Elison. I don't know how that's how you pronounce it, but I remember when I was in these churches in England going in on the, uh, they'd have these big altars up front and, and the, the, this prayer was there. Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy, Lord have mercy on me. And if you read the, the prayer books, Book of Common Prayer, it's all over it. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy on me. That, that is our prayer. And, and as I was reading, listen to this. One commentator wrote, he says, without this prayer, Christianity would be a philosophy, a history, a code, but not a religion that saves. This is what makes us Christians, followers of Jesus, that we know how to pray, Lord, have mercy Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy on me. That's it. <laughs> that we know our, our, where we are and, and who he is. And we know, like, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. That's the beginning of it all. It's the beginning of your faith journey with God. Is the moment you know how to pray, Lord, have mercy. And that's something you just keep going back to. Keep going back to it every day, every morning, every night. Lord, have mercy Lord, you know what I thought five minutes ago. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy on me. And, and so ultimately, why, why do we need this? And, and the way it explains it here, why we need this. And I think internally we know so much why we need this. And why we need this here, it says, Lord, have mercy. Have mercy on us, for we have endured much contempt. There are many needs for mercy. What's pointed out here is that there has been ridicule and contempt. Things that before we even left on our journey, before you even knew how to say, Lord, have mercy, when, you're, when your journey started, there is baggage and things that you are carrying. Ridicule and contempt, things people have said to you, lies that you have believed, things you have said to yourself that you are carrying as ridicule and contempt. This is, all of us do it. You're not alone. And so as we carry these things, this is why this is why we need to pray. And simply the, this prayer, Lord have mercy, is saying, Lord, even after leaving that place, even after leaving the, the place of sin or whatever, wherever I was and starting my journey, Lord, there's so much still sticking on me. There's so much baggage I have. So Lord have mercy. And then as you go along the journey, you're going to realize that there's still stuff, still more stuff. 
And so you, you pray, Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy on me. Now, a, a story I just got this morning that I think applies to this so well is that um, Thad, who drew this amazing picture, sent me a story this morning saying uh, how this was done. So he actually, um, so Thad works with, um, sometimes with youth in foster care, and, and um, he said he couldn't figure out the eyes on it. And so he was talking with one of his kids in foster care, and, and they helped with it. And so it was kind of collaborative work, and he got to tell them about the psalm, and, and they were so excited that, that it would be presented to all of you. Um, and I was thinking about that. I mean, in foster care, think of this youth coming up conceptually with this. All the ridicule and contempt and all the baggage that can be you know, carried along with you. And just thinking of that prayer. That prayer is for them. That prayer is for you. That prayer is for all of us who's so tired of not knowing what to do with the baggage we have. And maybe all we can do is to say, Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy on me. Now to end, you can tell someone who gets mercy. And the Bible talks about this. You can, uh, you can see the person who gets mercy. Do you get mercy? Do you understand it? Is it yours? In Matthew, it says, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. There's a story about an unmerciful servant who's been forgiven so much, but goes out and yet exacts justice. It says that, that person's not really going to receive mercy. There was a woman who had lived long in sin, and she poured out tears on Jesus. And Jesus was with a very religious man who didn't get it. And Jesus tells a story, but then he ends the story by saying, she loves much because she has been forgiven much. She's received so much mercy, so she just loves Guys, you won't love, you won't show mercy unless you receive it yourself. In Micah, right, it says, he has shown you what the Lord requires of you to act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. Just simplify it down to these things. Unfortunately, I think as a, as a culture, we are intoxicated with the idea of retributive justice. We are going to prosecute and persecute until someone figures it out. We don't get mercy. Even though we've been shown so much mercy, we're going to turn to someone else and be like, they just can't get it. They just can't pull themselves up by their bootstraps. And all that is, all that is, is us leaking out the filth in us that hasn't been cured by the mercy of God. And so we deal with it by just lashing out on other people. Right? Instead of learning to pray, Lord, have mercy, Lord, have mercy on me. And then when we get it, then we get it, and then we go and we are generous with other people because God's been so, so generous to us. And that, that's what it looks like. That's what it looks like to participate on the journey in the kingdom of God.
is to simply know how to pray, Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy on me. Beautiful. Let's pray. Father, thank you for being rich in mercy. This part in, in the scripture, I, I'm just thinking of where it, it says, all day long you've held out your hand to disobedient and obstinate people. <laughs> it's talking about me. and I, I, Teach us how to pray. Lord, have mercy on us. We don't have to scramble along this path alone. We can cry out to you. God, hear our prayer for mercy. Help us be a church that shows mercy well. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.